Good morning and welcome to the KLE broadcast. Uh, this is the KLE podcast broadcasting uh, Saturday instead of Friday. We had a day off. No, we didn't. We missed, <laughs> we missed a day. So, I did. I had a day off. Yes, yes. Mr. Steve had a day off and welcome to you, Steve, again on the episode, the weekly episode of Building His Church. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I am here, yes. Yes, yes. Good to have you with us again, and uh, good to have our listeners with us, and thank you for hopping on and uh, getting involved in this. We This is not your usual church message, but definitely here to encourage you in the, in the Word. I mean, we, hey, Steve, we're not coming with all the answers and all the solutions, but we, we definitely want to... Um, uh, in ignite is that the word um, that's a good word yeah ignite or and encourage people to actually go to the word look at some of the stuff don't just accept things for the way they are just because everybody's doing it just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean it is the way it's supposed to be done um, kingdom leadership equipping is it just that it's equipping leaders in a kingdom mindset and not just a mindset, but thinking about doing it the kingdom way and uh, thinking the kingdom way, doing it the kingdom way, and uh, carrying out your responsibilities in a kingdom way as a kingdom citizen and then as a kingdom leader. So, um, yeah, so we want to pick up again from last week, uh, Steve. I just, I really felt um, that we spoke about you know, dealing with sin last week is just how Christ has dealt with it and how um, our responsibility to him um, in the sense of he's dealt with sin, he's justified us. I thought about a scripture this morning where um, in, in the Romans, I think it is in Romans chapter four, where it says he was, he, he, he died for our sins, but he was raised for our justification. Right. And of course, so that, you, you know, it justifies us, which, puts us in right standing with God. And then, of course, we, we looked at that scripture which says that, you know, that he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So we've been put into right relationship with God. We just now have to walk in that. And um, if we do sin, we repent, come back to God, confess our sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So um, the thing that I'd like to look at today is because we are talking to people that might be running a Bible study or a home church or, um, you know, just out into the marketplace. What do you do when we are dealing with somebody that's in sin? How do you, you know, now sort of brother to brother, uh, you know, leader to, the, to a community of believers, um, how do we deal with sin when somebody is in sin? Uh, is you know do we just kick them out or or do we um, beat them with a stick or burn them at the stake or ooh that'd be fun <laughs> yeah but, uh, steaks is really good hey steaks are good yeah <laughs> just don't burn them <laughs> just don't burn them yeah, yeah. so uh, the, the yeah. thing the thing that gets me a lot of times is well we are so quick to join the accuser and the person already usually knows <laughs> what they're doing is is against their father. And it says, before a man's own master, he stands or falls. 
So what I've, what we found or what I've found is to bring them to accountability of Christ. And that's probably the first, first order of business is finding out what their relationship they think they have with Christ and then bring them to accountability of that, as opposed to the laws and the rules and the do this and don't do that. It's to, it's to bring them to the accountability of the relationship of Christ, number one, yes. and then to bring them to accountability of what, what he believes about that particular situation. Yes. Uh, because it doesn't matter what I believe or what I think or what the church thinks or anything else. At that point, they believe they're justified. They believe they're right. Uh, they believe they're okay in whatever it is they're doing. But if they truly believe they have a relationship with Christ, to bring them to accountability of that relationship and what he believes about it is a whole is a whole different thing than me just telling them that they're doing it wrong, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So encouraging, I mean, encouraging them back to right relationship with God. So right, right. <clears throat> we can't condemn them with the word and begin to lay down the law. I was thinking. Um, in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, it, it says that, that you know, what, what the law could not do, um, Christ has done. And now we have the law written on the tablets of our heart. I think it says something. Right. Yeah. Something like that. For Sean uh, 2.5, I think that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sean 2.5. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounded oh, like it. Something like that. <laughs> no, uh, let me just go and get that. But it's, you know, because we, we do have the law written on our hearts. And so we, we, um, we need to uh, take people to that, to that law that's in their heart, not, not to the law that we, um, in, in verse two, he says, for the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that is overcome sin and remove its penalty and its power, right. weakened by the flesh, man's nature without the Holy Ghost. God did. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh, subdued it and overcame it in the person of his son, so that the righteous and just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by wilderness and our sinful nature, but live our lives in the ways of the spirit guided by his power. So, you know, that, that is powerful because if, if we, when we find somebody that is sinning, like you say, they, they, that, um, where is it? Uh, um, bum, 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 bum. The requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh. So two things I see is that the requirement of the law can be fulfilled in us. We have now the power because of what Jesus did for us to live our lives um, in the requirement of the law because it's in us. We, we can live that Lord's written on our hearts. Right. But, and that goes back to what it says there in 2 Corinthians uh, 3, somewhere 6, I think it is. Um, he has made us able ministers of the New Testament or the New Covenant. Right. So we are able ministers of that. However, a lot of times we end up going to the letter of it uh, mm -hmm. because people want a principle or a rule or a, 
um, some sort of a, um, what do you call a track to run on. But it says, we are not ministers of that because not of the letter, but of the spirit for the letter kills, but the spirit giveth life. Right. Uh, Because it calls it the ministration of death. If we start giving them just the letter or the law, the letter of the law, yeah, right. Or the principle or whatever. Uh, It's not about a principle. It's about that spirit of life. Like you said, which is in Christ Jesus and bringing them back to that. Yes. And, and uh, you know, he's encouraging people to walk in the, because he goes on to say, I mean, he says, so that um, the requirement might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness and our sinful nature. I'm reading from the Amplified. Right. But live our lives in the ways of the Spirit, guided by His power. So to encourage people to, to again, be walking in the Spirit, for, because those who are living according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, uh, which gratify the body, but those who are living according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit, his will and purpose. So is, is to, uh, I think we come back down to the root things we, we, we talk about often, Steve, is that uh, we've got to allow people and encourage people not to live within the, the, the parameters of our church mentality, but within the parameters of being a pneumatic man, a spiritual man. Right. Right. And a lot of times we, we have a tendency to look at people and we look at what they're doing and we say, Oh, that's sin. Hmm. Now, is it sin because I think it's not the right thing to do or is it sin because Christ himself has already spoken to them about it and has already been dealing with them. And now it's sin to them. Uh, And that's, that's kind of a hard thing to uh, discern there because uh, if I come to them with just uh, what you're doing is wrong and what you're doing is sin and they don't think so, I mean, it's, there's, a, there's a difference between – because then I'll start bringing them to the letter of it again. Yes. And that's, that's the danger of the – I guess that's why Paul talks about it uh, in there a few times about, about church discipline and how to deal with different things. And, and basically there's some, there's some major issues that he deals with, but a lot of it, he really doesn't, he doesn't go through the various quote sins (laughs) to, to give us any delineation on, on how to deal with different things. He just says, well, with this thing here, don't even eat with a guy, you know, I mean, uh, don't even fellowship with him. But, Uh, isn't sorry to interject here, but isn't I mean if if I if I looked at those things I was reading that now. Um, but when you look at those things where he says you know separate that person from from the body, uh, that's really I mean it's the kind of sin that infects the community. Correct. Yes. You, you know I mean there's a lot of private stuff that's being done that is sin that that um, people don't see. <laughs> right. Right. You know, you stand in church and you've got your hands lifted shouting hallelujah, but actually you, you are, your, your fellowship with God is broken. So, you, right. you know, but you just can't see it and it's not affecting the community as such, you know? Right. Right. And that's kind of the, 
that's the danger because uh, once a person's fellowship is broken, their community is also broken within the believer because the fellowship with the other people is becomes broken. They, be, they begin to hide. Yes. They begin not to call anymore. They begin not to fellowship. They begin not to. And so they tend to back away. I call it hiding. I don't know what else you'd call it, yes. uh, but, but they begin to hide. Yeah. Uh, I guess just like Adam and Eve, you know, once they sin, they, they started to hide. Yeah. Um, and, uh, they, they already know that what they're doing is, is not, is not in line with fellowship with God because they're already stepping out of fellowship. Yeah. So, uh, bring them back to the accountability of that relationship and then, We lose that. Sorry, we lost you a little bit there, Steve. Pardon me? Sorry, I lost oh, you right there. Uh, am I back? Yeah, yeah, you're back now. Yeah. He's back. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> but bring them back into that fellowship once again, or the accountability of that fellowship or relationship, and then then bring them back into accountability of what Christ believes about that. Right, right. And, uh, and actually, it says counsel is bound up in the heart of man. But a man of understanding will draw it out of them, yes. I guess, mainly to find out what they believe that Christ believes about that. Yes. And a lot of times, if nothing else, that'll get them thinking that way. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they'll answer their own question a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking here at 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness of sin, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So that's, that's the thing is like, if you, um, if, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we right. are lying and we do, we're not practicing the truth. But if we really walk in the light, that is live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, which is written on our heart, the requirement of the law that's in our heart, as he himself is in the light, we have true bro unbroken fellowship with one another. He's he with us and we with him and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin by erasing the stain of sin, keeping us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. If we say we have no right. sin, refusing to admit that we uh, sin, we delude ourselves and the truth is not in us. His word does not live in our hearts. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, that fellowship that we withdraw from fellowship with God. And when we draw fellowship, from the fellowship with God, we withdraw from fellowship with one another. Right. And, um, yeah. So, so you've got these covert sins and overt sin, you know, is just, it's sin is sin though. I, I, I right. It's enough to bear repeating that, you know, we can easily judge that which we can see, but do we, do we really judge what we don't see in our own lives? You know, it's like the, um, the beam, you know, Jesus saying, well, you, you, you're picking out the, the splint in somebody else's eye, but you're not looking at the beam in your own eye. Now, that doesn't right. mean as I think as uh, as leaders, we don't it doesn't mean we do not have to deal with sin. We do have to deal with sin and and we can't be compromising on it. I think that that is the the thing about it is that which affects in, in an eldership point of view, um, you have to deal with that which affects the community. Right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were coming to a question there. I was thinking about something else for a second. 
the dangerous <laughs> ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little slow on the tune there. Yeah, Sorry about yeah. that. Oh, it's Saturday. <laughs> yeah, you do have to. You do have to bring it. Once again, we're all under the same master. We're all under the same. We're a family. Yeah. And if you think about it in family, if one person, one person in the family, is kind of withholding or withdrawing or whatever, you you do especially the father's heart wants to draw them all back together. Yes. Um, <clears throat> there's one particular time I remember. Um, and I've, I've probably for the last 20 some odd years, I've just worked with uh, small groups and home churches and, and um, individuals. So, um, and just whoever the Lord sends to me, uh, just helping them get from point A to point B. And once they get to point B, sometimes they leave, sometimes they stay till point C. You know, I, you know, you never know how long a person, it's like a, it's like just a, a season in time. Yes. And so you never really take possession of them. <laughs> you know, yes. you're, you're there in their life for a, for a, a, a time and for a yes. work. Yeah. And so, uh, at least I have been so far, uh, there are certain people that I do have relationship with for like 20 years, like yourself, but yeah. you know, I don't anyway. Um, but I remember I was riding on a lawnmower and, um, I kept hearing this word apolytrosis hmm. and I'm going, what in the world is that? <laughs> you know, cause I'd never heard the word. I didn't know what it was. Yes. Uh, I figured it was a Greek word. So, I mean, because I've studied enough Greek and Hebrew to know, you know, what's what. I didn't figure it was some other foreign language besides those two. Those yeah. two. Um, and the Lord doesn't usually speak to me in tongues, so I don't, you know, <laughs> I figured it was a Greek word. So anyway, when I got back to the shop after about an hour, hour and a half, I looked it up and it meant to redeem or redemption. Mm. And so, uh, or something like that. But anyway... Um, and, and I was, as I, after I heard that word, I was still sitting on the lawnmower and I, I saw this young couple. Um, I didn't, I had never really met the girl or the lady, uh, his fiance, but I, I, I did hang out a lot with this young man and had been working with him through, through some different things. Well, at, it was about three 30 in the afternoon and I had seen, uh, them getting into some sexual um, situations, uh, that they didn't handle very well and didn't get out of. Hmm. And, um, so anyway, I, when I got home from work about five thirty six o'clock, I called him and I said, Hey, um, I won't use his name at this point, but Hey, <laughs> you know, what's, what's going on? And he goes, ah, it's doing great. You know, so-and-so is here with me and she's, you know, we're, we're both doing well. I said, so, let me know uh, what what happened today at three thirty, and he starts bawling, mm. and I can hear her in the background crying. Mm. And I said, "I know what happened, and I know this is what took place." Correct? And he goes, "Yes, that's exactly what happened." And I said, "But this is the word the Lord gave me for you: apolatrosis." Mm. I said, "I know that doesn't make any sense to you now, but what it means is this." And I took him to a couple of scriptures where that's contained and everything. And basically it, it set them back into real right relationship because during that time they were condemned. They felt, they felt nasty. They felt, you know, all that sort of stuff, but the Lord was giving them 
the way to continue in relationship, not to, not to just say, okay, you're condemned, you're out. But this is how to be restored. This is what to do to be restored. You know, this is, this is how I restore you. This is how I restored you. And a lot of that comes with, if you're, if you're a watchman on the wall, if you're put in a place of, in somebody's life where you have that uh, accountability for, um, there's a lot of people that, that feel like they're accountable to you. And if so, there's a certain responsibility that you do have toward them. And because of that place or because of that, that placement by God, um, and that is a certain order by God, he gives you insight. He gives you oversight. He gives you that watchman ability or that porter ability. Both of those two words are, are, very important words in the Old and New Testament. So if anybody out there wants to do a study on those two words and find out what they mean, they're very important. Uh, In fact, the first thing that God did whenever he went to rebuild something, he had them rebuild the gates and then set a porter at it before they even built the walls or anything else. You rebuild the gates and set a porter. Now, porter means the one with the keys or the opener, uh, the, the one who opens the door. It's interesting because in John it says uh, Jesus Christ is the door. He's also the shepherd to the sheep. So here you have this picture of the sheep inside this gate or inside this uh, fold or inside this uh, fencing, and you have a gate or a door, and you have the shepherd outside, and it says, To him the porter openeth. The porter is the one with the keys. He is the gatekeeper. He's the one who allows or disallows. Mm-hmm. And as watchman or porter, I stand upon the wall and I can see what's going on outside, but I can also see what's going on inside the person's life as well. But I can see the enemy approaching. I can see whatever else is approaching. And I have the ability, not because of my great spiritual insight, but because of that place God has placed me in that person's life or that group's life or whatever, I have the ability to see. Yeah. And it's nothing special. It's just that's a placement or an order by God so that I can warn or I can lift up or I can give them uh, the, the ability to get out of the situation that they're going to be in or are in or whatever. And a lot of times they don't see it themselves, especially like in a family situation. Uh, I remember coming home a lot of times and I would just say, okay, Father, what is it that's going on in my house? And I'd have a feeling like there's something going on with Connie and the kids. And so I'd, I'd, I'd come home and I'd, I'd walk in the door and I'd say, okay, what's, you know, what's going on? Uh, actually, I already knew. But then I'd begin to address things with the certain kids that are, that are happening and, and uh, begin to act as a peacemaker or act as a whatever, you know, to bring that situation back around to right standing with Christ. And that's what a porter does. That's also what it says that an elder is supposed to do right? to watch or take the oversight thereof. And that's all it means is to, is to do that, to take that watchman place. And so for the Lord to give me a word like apolatrosis for somebody, that was that place of a porter. That was that place of a watchman. And I'm not trying to watch. It's just because of that place, God gives you that insight or that oversight to be able to see that stuff. And uh, it redeemed them back into right relationship with Christ. So it's an important, uh, and once again, I'd really encourage uh, all of you out there to um, uh, give a, give a quick study, (laughs) if nothing else uh, to those two words, because the, the scripture is full of that. 
And if we're going to be elders or if we're going to do any sort of, we have responsibility for anybody, mm. uh, those two, those two words come into important play uh, in those relationships and into how God sees his order and his kingdom. Right. Uh, because even in the new covenant, that, that, that thing is still spoken of, uh, especially when it goes throughout um, uh, eldership and uh, even as a, as a husband over the wife and the children and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, you know, it's, that's the bishoping leg of, of the right. elder episcopos. Um, right. Right. Which is to, to have the oversight. Um, yeah. Epi meaning over and scope meaning. Yes. Oh, so <laughs> epi, epi is like the, uh, an intensive and, and scopeo, which is like looking in um, too. So it's, it's an intensive watch over the, the people. And of course it says in Hebrews chapter 13 that, that you know, because they must give an account for your souls. So right. let them do it with joy. And right. I think, but, but again, it's like the two, the two sides of it is, we need to approach this gently. A scripture that really spoke to me a number, a few years ago, and uh, and uh, as a result of that, um, a young leader came to see me, and I spent I took a whole week just to help him get from A to B, and uh, just like you're saying, because many times you know I find even leaders don't have anybody to talk to, don't have anybody to journey with, right? So they don't know they've got this thing that they're dealing with, but who do they talk to? How do they relate? You know, how do they, how do they deal with it? How do they get restored? And, um, and God gave me this in Galatians chapter six, verse one. And from also from the amplified, it says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any sin, you are spiritual. That is you who are responsive to the guidance of the spirit. And that word spiritual there is pneumaticos again, are to restore not condemn, right. not right. judge, such a one. not beat up, not throw out, but to restore such, excuse me, such a person in a spirit of gentleness, hmm. not with yeah. a sense of superiority or self-righteousness. Right. Keeping, you see, religion condemns, religion right. judges, religion holds you to the law, but, but, um, spirituality i mean the true spiritual people spiritual pneumaticos people will will respond to the guidance of the spirit and restore the word restore there is katatizio which is the same word as equip and it means to repair and prepare right so restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness not a sense of superiority or self-righteousness of course that's very pharisaical keeping a watchful eye on yourself so right. that you are not That's tempted as well. As soon as you stand in a place of superiority or self-righteousness, uh, that you keep the law, you are open to um, being tempted as well. And right. then he, he goes on to say, carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the, the law of love. So, um, that that was the word God gave me. That's the word I shared with him. And so it was a, a real journey for me to begin to walk that that uh, principle out in that uh, leader's life. 
is to help walk with them and keep the balance. The balance is, I think, is that, yes, we've got to have oversight, hold people accountable. We've got to protect the, the community because that's what elders do. Elder, the governmental eldership is there, to, um, is there to protect the community, to feed the community, to guide the community, not to lord it over the community, but to feed them, to guide them, to... Uh, nourish them, but also to take oversight. So to protect the community by watching out for these things that are out of line, that brings, that can right. infect. Because um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, do you not know that a little leaven f ferments the whole batch of dough just as a little sin corrupts a person or an entire church? In other words, th that if there's a little bit, it can begin to spread if you don't contain it. Clean out right. the old leaven, he says, so that you may be a new batch, just as you are still unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of vice and malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and untainted truth. So, in other words, then he goes on to talk about do not associate with sexually immoral people, not meaning the immoral people of the world or the greedy ones, um, and swindlers and idolaters for then you would have to get out of the world and human society altogether, which is not what we call to do, which the church thinks they're supposed to do. But actually right. I've written to you not to associate with any so-called brother. If he's sexually immoral or greedy or is an idolater devoted to anything that takes the place of God, or is a reviler who insults and slanders or otherwise verbally abuses others or is a drunkard or a swindler, you must not so much as eat with such a person for what business is it of mine to judge outsiders. So we, that we, in other words, he's saying we've got to guard against that because that could be 11 that could corrupt everything, the whole community. But on the other hand, we have to, as leaders, as elders, we have to be aware of the fact, and I think just generally everybody, we need to be aware of the fact that we need to deal with these things in a spirit of gentleness, not this um, superiority, self-righteous attitude, um, condemning people, but helping them. If you are spiritually mature, if you're nomadic or spiritually mature, right. you will walk and journey with somebody to restoration. That's what you will do. Yeah, and the main thing is, is the spiritual, they who are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. and. If I'm led by the Spirit of God, I'm not led by the the point line and pattern of of everything or of spirituality. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm not I'm not trying to find the formula. <laughs> That's right. So I'm led by the Spirit of God, like apolatrosis. You know, like yes. what is God saying about that? What does He want done? You yes. know. So it's not a matter of of just taking everything and and I I've now got a pattern to run with. I find out what the Spirit of the Lord wants to do because it's the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Right. It's the law by which we live now, not the law. And and once again, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Now I operate by the law of liberty as well. Yes. So what is it that's going to bring this person to liberty? What is it's going to bring them back to the Spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus? Yes. And that's the those are two of the main law, the law of love. I mean, if you look at the laws of the new covenant, the law of faith, the law of love, the law of grace, uh, there are laws, but they're, they're like universal laws, just like gravity is. Yeah. Uh, and, and those are the laws that he operates by. Yes. 
And so you begin to look at those laws and you go, well, there is no, I mean, it brings them to liberty. That's the whole, it's out of love. The whole thing is out of love that brings people to liberty. Yes. So it's a whole different way of looking at things rather than that old covenant, which is you do this, this happens to you. <laughs> you know, yeah. you get, you get, you get smitten, you get smote, you get dead. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the, the whole thing is to, like it says also too in Hebrews, not just there in second Corinthians, it says the administration of condemnation as opposed to administration of the spirit. You are now operating by the administration of the spirit, not by the administration of condemnation. Yeah. So if I'm bringing if I'm bringing something to a person where they are now going to be condemned, it's the wrong ministration. It's the wrong spirit of it. Right. So it's to bring it out of that heart of love, like you're saying. It's yeah. to bring it out of that the mindset of I'm not superior in this. I'm your brother. I want to see you restored. I want to see That's because right. I'm I'm very likely to go down the same path. I mean, I very easily could. Yeah. I may not be, but I, you know, at that point, like, well, says, exactly, exactly. I, in fact, I heard, I heard, um, um, a guy, uh, if I mention his name, some people might recognize the name, but he was ministering at a church in Johannesburg and he, at, um, at the Bible school, big, big Bible school. And he said to them, he said, who of you believe that, um, you will never, ever commit adultery. And like most of the students put up their hands. I mean, just about the whole class. And then he said, who of you believe it's possible, but you, um, you, you're really going to make a stand and, and that, you know, that it's not going to happen. And so then a small percentage put up their hand. And then he said, who of you know it, 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 it's very likely to happen, but you just trust in God that it'll never happen. You're just really putting your faith in his grace and his spirit to help you. And like two guys put up their hands in the, in the Bible school and he said to them, he said, you guys will make it. The rest wow. are open to, to being bowled over. You know, it's like, it'll right. never happen to me. Because then you, you, what you're doing is you, you, you're not recognizing the power of, of your flesh right. and, <clears throat> and uh, Satan's ability to actually use that against you. You know, yeah. so, Here's one for you. Do you know what the Greek word is for fornication? No. Pornos. Yeah. Pornography. Pornography. Pornos. Yes. And yet, that's one of the prevalent things in, um, uh, in men in the body of Christ. I don't know about women because I mainly know about the men. <laughs> it's growing largely. It's growing, it's growing a lot now. Yeah. And, and mainly because of the access in the, on the internet and things like that. But yeah. When you when you think about it, <clears throat> uh, pornos uh, is is fornication, and you know how many of you would do fornication, you know knowingly? Well, not me, you know, definitely not me. But yet we're going to look at that, we're going to look at that scantily clothed woman, and we're going to go, boy, I'd like to see that again, yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's that. It's that drawing or lust or that, that, uh, it's fornication. It says if you've committed fornication, uh, if you've looked at a woman to lust after her, you've, you've already committed fornication with her. You've already committed pornos with her. Yes, yes. Wow. And if you look at that, as far as just pornography, pornography is something that's, that brings you into that without you even, without you even realizing that you're 
quote sinning because you can do they call it a a soft porn or a, a you know whatever I, I don't even know what they call it but anyway there's a there's a there's a type of porn which is not the hardcore stuff yes. and you think well i'm fine with that because i can look at women in bikinis and look at these sports illustrated calendars and and think wow that's just nice you know and 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 i like the art of it no you don't like the art of it yeah. You know, I know, I know better than that. I know our minds, I know our hearts and the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful in all of its ways. You're going to be drawn away and enticed by something and you don't even realize you're going down that road. Let me help you with that. Let me get you, let me help get you out of that because that's the starting of pornos. That's the starting of that fornication. That's the, that's the way that thing begins to grow. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's, we call it an addiction a lot of times or other things, addictions, but basically it's just, it's just, you're drawn out of your own lust and enticed. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. it. So we can't, we, you know, that's why it's so easy to condemn others, but you know, we are open to, that's why Paul says, you know, with gentleness, restore them. You know, if you're spiritually mature and that's the thing, you know, I was in, in the, um, in the uh, statistics of pastors, I'm just using that as an example, but something like 70% um, uh, of pastors do not have someone they consider to be a close friend. Mm. And 27% um, of them said they, have, they don't have anyone to turn to for help in a crisis situation. Now, that is scary where, where there are, um, 34% of pastors wrestle with temptation of porno pornography or visits to por pornographic sites. Right. So, so you know, this, this is the stuff that's going on right now. And that's not even talking to that's pastors. Who knows what goes on in the church itself? And right. we, we, but why do they not have somebody that they can go to, to talk to? Because we still feel like we're separated from the sheep. We still feel like we're the shepherds. They're the sheep. Yes. We still have that Nicolaitan thinking pattern where we have the, we have the uh, um, what do you call it? clergy or the pastors or the whatever, the leaders, and then we have the laity or the common folk. Right. And we still have that thing where, well, I've got to be separate from them. I can't share my faults. I can't show my dirty underwear, so to speak. Yes. You know, I can't, I can't sit down with my brothers and say, hey, guys, I'm having a little bit because it's going to lessen my spirituality in their eyes. Well, that's right. And the thing about it, but, you know, the, the thing is that where are the, the spiritual people that they can go to? There right. are none, you know, right. because they right. – Everybody is like so yeah, busy building. Such a one. Yeah. Yeah. They're so busy building their own thing, focused on their own ministry. And, and um, I did on the podcast, uh, I think it was this week or last week. I can't remember, but on, on the leadership boost where I'm talking about prin principles of leadership and is, you know, they're so scripted in, in scarcity that they, they cannot, um, they, they think that if, I help you succeed, it's going to mean my failure. And right. so they cannot, uh, guys are just not there to actually help somebody. I mean, coming out of our crisis in two, of 2003, 
you know, it was the, the least likely person to me in, in my local area of pastors that actually was prepared to sit with me over a McDonald's coffee and, and, and uh, burger for breakfast and, uh, and talk to me and just listen to me and share with me and encourage me. And he said, he said to me one day, he says, I don't even believe in apostles and prophecy, but the Lord says to you, <laughs> and he starts prophesying to me. And, uh, and he was really being the, the spiritual person, the charismatic pastors, they were just too happy to condemn me, you know, and, right. and, uh, um, and to tell me how bad I'd been and how wrong I was to as associated with the, the wrong person and all the rest of it. And, and I was just broken. All I, I needed, you know, I just needed a friend and there was none. And that's for me, I suppose, having been there, having been in the broken place where you cannot find a friend in the world to actually walk you through a difficult crisis and, and difficult sin where you, that you can trust somebody to, to not hold it against you, to not um, condemn you for it. I think having been there and now, uh, you know, I, I look at leaders and, and what they have to deal with and who do they have. And that's what I'm going, you know, is that somebody, we have to raise another generation of leaders that is prepared to have that kind of heart, that spirit of gentleness, not steeped in self-righteousness and, and uh, you know, um, superiority. Because we've got to have those two legs of the, of the, um, of dealing with sin. We cannot come, you know, there's this, this controversy right now. Do you deal with sin from the pulpit or not? You know, do you preach against sin? And, uh, and that's been a controversy for years and years and years. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, how, how do you say that? Contro contro controversy. Controversy? Controversy. Controversy. Huh. Yeah. Learned a new word today. <laughs> yeah, I knew controversy. I mean, that's the way kind of the Americanized version of the English is. I just, I'd never heard the actual English version of that. So, okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, 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 no. That's the, that's, that's proper English. You're speaking with proper English, I'd say. The Queen's English, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. The Queen's English. <laughs> definitely not, definitely not King James. I don't not know. Not King James. No, no. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yeah, you said something earlier too, and I'm going, what what word is that? And I and I finally figured it out, and I went, oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I was kind of thinking on, you know, when you asked me that question, and I kind of paused for a minute. I was thinking, what was that word? I can't remember. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, that's that's what's kind of cool about it, because I, you know, I'm I'm so Americanized, because you know, I don't, I don't, I think this is English. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, so whenever actual English is spoken to me, I don't, you know, I don't know. I can't understand that. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we, we're confusing my granddaughter because, um, she, of course, her mother is American. My, my daughter-in-law is American and, and yes, uh, granny and grandpa is, um, is South African. So right. she gets banana and banana. <laughs> oh, oh yeah! I bet that would tomato be. and tomato. <laughs> <laughs> so she's going to be bilingual. <laughs> That's right, South African and yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, to to close it off now, I, I just you know just to remind everybody on listening. I think that's that's the it's it's rather let's 
focus on the spirit of dealing with things. You know, as a leader, you know, is Paul was dealing with in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he was dealing with a cultural situation that right. was overwhelmingly um, corrupt. And the Corinthian church was like that in a cultural setting. It was very corrupt kind of um, society. Kind of like us. Pretty much, <laughs> and and so he had to he had to uh, set some limits because these people were coming out of that and tended to go back into it again and 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 thought they were worshiping God doing it and and uh, so he he had to set some parameters and some boundaries and that's the thing about it is is that a community a, a culture in a community the kingdom of God is a culture and it has boundaries that's what we need to understand there are boundaries. And when you get out of the boundaries, you're breaking fellowship, not only with the community, but with the Lord as well. And so we have to be as, as leaders and elders or whatever, and it doesn't matter who we are, we have to be focused on, um, next appointment is up, um, we have to be <laughs> focused on, on uh, restoring people to their place of fellowship encouraging them when they're not listening to you well that's you know there's nothing much you can do about it you have to let them know that they are in sin if they are you know willingly and adamant proudful uh, they just stubborn about it they do rebellious about it and there's nothing you can there's nothing you cannot condemn them you cannot give them the right foot to fellowship um, you have to, or the left foot of fellowship depends which one you're kicking with. But you, you, you have to be clear, as especially as eldership. I'm not talking about the one-man show that whether people fit into your right. status quo world to make everything pretty for you. I'm talking about as a as an eldership, as a as a as a council in a sense of the presbytery. Um, you have to decide, and then. Gently, and that's the, the the spirit in which you do it reveals the heart of God to people, and and so how you actually restore them, or or uh, or uh, communicate with them that they are outside of the community. Right. Doesn't the King James in there say the spirit of meekness also? Yes, the spirit of meekness. Yeah. 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 Which so is, that, that's the meekness, of course, is praetus, which means that the uh, um, to be to have uh, passion under control. It's correct. Not to come with anger and and uh, judgment and condemnation, but it means to to keep yourself self controlled. And of course, he goes on to tell us why. So right. so and that's probably why he also said to have elders. Uh, uh, told Timothy to appoint elders in every church in every city. Yes. Plural. Yes. Because each one of those guys, if I'm standing around a person and I have the oversight of the watch, I'm commanded to watch. Yes. And there's three of us. Each one of us see from a different side, different a different angle. side of that tree. That's right. And so to come together and talk about that and figure out what's what's going on with that person, how to restore such a one in the heart of, in the spirit of meekness, or in that in that compassion, in that. Um, in that heart of restoration, basically, yes. um, to find out what what the different sides of of the uh, oversight is is an important aspect of it because it's not just a gossip session; it's to find out how to restore such a one, not how to That's condemn right. them. That's right. 
So that's probably the most important part because obviously a lot of times if we're going to start a home church, I'm going to be, I'm going to be the pastor of it again. Yes. So I come out of something and immediately I go right back into what I came out of because, yeah. Yeah, because I, that's all I know how to build. Yeah, exactly. But if we build according to the pattern, uh, build according to how Christ does it, uh, he's the, he is the chief shepherd or the senior pastor. Yeah. And then he has elders that begin to shepherd and bishop the flock of God. So right. Right. anyway, which is something we might want to get into at some point in time. Yes. Now I'm thinking, you know, because um, I'd, I'd like to pick up again, talking about the organic church. And this is a question that I saw came up um, quite frequently. And there's not a lot of understanding when it comes to eldership and governmental. This is still a, a very confusing, not confusing, a very, uh, uh, I can't think of a word, but um, it just, it's just—it's not—it's not clear to to uh, to the church, the church, on how to handle that because we constantly be uh, are thinking about pastors and right. who's going to lead this and and whatever else. So even when I go, I've spoken to people and said, "Hey, uh, you know, why don't you start a small group that you know they've been burnt and hurt and whatever else and." And they go, no, well, you know, we, we, we don't want to know ministry. And I go, yeah, but that's the whole thing. Your whole perspective is wrong. Right. Um, anyway, we'll pick that up maybe next week, Steve. Let's talk about that some more next week on, on eldership and, uh, and leading, uh, you know, home church kind of situation. All right. All right. Good stuff. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for the chat again today, Steve. I really enjoy speaking with you. And, uh, and thank you for everybody else for, for hopping on to our, our call. And um, we will be back. Have a super weekend and God bless you guys. Um, hey, get out there and, uh, and share, share you know, your, your, your spirituality with people, not by preaching and shoving scriptures in their face and, uh, and uh, giving them lengthy prophecies to tell them how bad they are. Just go and love people. Serve, go and serve them. Show, show them the light and the salt of the earth. Amen. So we love and appreciate you. Until next time, this is Sean and Steve saying goodbye and God bless.